Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university, focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. There are many new realities in our lives now and of our public and professional life, transportation and moving around, not just our towns, but the state and the region are important. In North Carolina, the old North State want, runs and owns one of the largest state maintained highway systems in the country. It's more than 80,000 miles of roads. In addition, the Department of Transportation in North Carolina has 98 transit systems in 100 counties. It has 72 public airports, not to mention the 500 private airports. It has the second largest ferry system. It runs the Department of Motor Vehicles, et cetera, et cetera. In a moment, we are joined by the Secretary of Transportation for North Carolina, Eric Boyette, starts our discussion with us, and we hope you'll stay with us. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at Bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, an executive profile featuring Eric Boyette, Secretary of the North Carolina Department of Transportation. And welcome back to this very special executive profile with us now, Department of Transportation Secretary, Eric Boyette, Mr. Secretary, welcome to the dialogue and congratulations on, on the relatively new job. Thank you, Chris, thank you, glad to be here. Uh, you know, it's interesting, as you started in the very beginning of the year, it was before COVID-19, this novel coronavirus that has now become our, our new reality, really had taken hold as being a threat. And about a week and a half after you started your job, sir, uh, it became apparent that it was going to be a serious threat. Most that start new jobs have had the luxury of, uh, of taking time and listening and observing and traveling to all the offices and talking to your, all your colleagues. You really didn't have that time. So as you hit the ground running, Your Honor, what is job one? How do you reflect on those early days? Sure. I think, you know, you brought up a great point. You know, I always say that, you know, between any job that I've taken on, I always look at the first hundred days. What is the first hundred days that I want to assess and look at changes or, you know, things that are working well, things we do need to change. So obviously I did not have that ability. Um, after about 10 working days, uh, our COVID hit and uh, we had to really look at 
uh, it shifted our focus really uh, initially to funding because of our funding streams that we have from our uh, motor fuel stacks and people were not traveling. Uh, so really, it really shifted my, you know, first thought of what I wanted to do you know, in office when I first started as, you know, back to we really got to make sure we're providing, you know, the services we have for our citizens, making sure we're, you know, we're financially solid. When you look at, and I know you have history with the Department of Transportation in North Carolina, Your Honor, it, but as you look at it a little bit differently now, you've got, and, and, and forgive me, but I'm going to, for the sake of our viewers, $5 billion budget, uh, almost 10,000 employees, 80,000 of roads, almost 70, 70 plus airports that are owned by the state or public owned in addition to the 500 airports, seaports, the ferry system, of course, um, DMV, and the list goes on and on and on. This is a major organization that touches the lives of every Carolinian. I think that's fair to say. So when you look at this, how do you think about what DOT has traditionally been and how should it be now given the real questions around what revenue are going to look like now going forward because of gas tax, because of COVID, because of layoffs, et cetera, et cetera. So, Your Honor, if you will, uh, unfold what this new reality in DOT looks like. Sure. Uh, you know, I think it's a great question. You, you brought up some things that people may not know about, you know, transportation as far as, you know, different states manage different, um, different types of modes. And we do cover you know, a lot of ground throughout our state with you know, our ports. As you mentioned, we also have a, uh, our uh, turnpike. Uh, we have, you know, our UTP out in Kinston. So, you know, we have a lot of uh, modes that we do cover. Um, and with funding, it, you know, you, you brought up a great point about you know, the lack of funding that we're seeing uh, through motor fuels and the federal fuels. So, you know, the tax pieces from those. But, you know, we continue to look at, you know, what can we do to make sure that we're serving our citizens and making sure, that, number one, they're safe. You know, that's our number one priority, make sure that safety is number one. But we also are looking at, are we organized correctly? What are some things that we can do to be more efficient? Um, they're the things that, you know, when now we're looking at, you know, what does our stabilization of funding look like? And, you know, what is, what types of funding do we need? You know, our current funding, uh, will it meet our demands in the future? Uh, we have an NC First Commission that, you know, is glad to see it was in place uh, when I arrived. It's really looking at alternatives for our revenue streams. Um, they have a report that's due to us and to me in December. And I'm looking forward to that because I think that helps us shape our future. What does it look like and how can we meet the demands of our public, you know, from our transit to, um, you know, you see a lot of the, the different types of modes now that you know, free enterprise is bringing up um, with our, you know, the mobility of, you know, you have the different modes of, you, know, you have your birds, you have your lines, you have all of that springing up within the municipalities and how do we support that and help the municipalities in any way that we can. So there's a lot, there's a lot of um, reach there that we have. Um, our ports is very important. Um, aviation, you, you mentioned them all. Um, highways, obviously, we have to make sure that we're moving goods um, and services back and forth for our citizens. It's become very evident during COVID. Uh, we noticed that, you know, we did have a decrease in traffic. But we also had an uptick in, you know, freight traffic because shipping services were being delivered because of demand. So, you know, it, that did not, you know, decline. So there's still ways that we can look at how do we distribute, um, 
you know, that balance across our agency. And we are a large agency. And I'm, I'm impressed you knew all the numbers, Chris. I'm glad that, you know, I didn't have to repeat those. You did a great job. <laughs> well, thank I, I want to go back to the, the financial side for just sure. doing the budgetary issues and not to, not to, to rip a Band-Aid off of this, but just in, in context. So your predecessor, Jim Trogdon, left office in part because of some pressure that he got about what many called overspending. And the point was, so when you started the job, sir, you had you were in the hole to some degree of about $750 million. So the state DOT had to figure out how to fix that and then go to what you've referred to a couple times now as stability and funding and stability and revenue. So do you have some level of confidence that you've been able to address the issues of the shortfall of the overspending, whatever the reason for that overspending, but you've been able to address that. And how long do you think it is before you get, for you to be comfortable that there's stability in revenue as DOT needs and knows revenue? So I think, you know, you brought up a few good points. One, you know, I don't, I wouldn't consider it overspending. I think that's where it's been misclassified mm -hmm. because every dollar that was spent was spent for transportation needs. So I, I've, I've been trying to be very vocal about that. You know, it, it, there's not 700, you know, $700 million that was misspent. There were $700 million that were spent for transportation goods. Um, so I want to make sure that's clear. But, you know, the, the problem we have is if you look at the COVID and, you know, the impact it had on our revenue streams, that's $300 million estimated that we will not, we can't get that money back. So we're trying to figure out, you know, how we fill that void and what does the future look like for us when, you know, we're, we're pushing projects as hard as we can. We have storms, you know, you, you've heard it all. So how do we balance the future? What does that future look like? How do we increase our revenues or stabilize our revenues? Bonds will be very important for us. Um, as you saw, you know, we're continuing to push our increase of bonds, but we also have to increase our maintenance reserves so we can continue to maintain the roads that we have. So, it's going to take a few, you know, a few, a few, a few cycles for us to understand, you know, where we are. And every month, there's something that I, you know, every day I get up every morning, I look at. We have dashboards that, you know, we have information that I look at every day to make sure I see where we are. And it helps me understand the revenue streams and our expenditure streams to understand where we are, where are we headed. Uh, we have forecasting that we use. So I think all the tools that we're actually pulling together now. Um, and not just focusing on one area. You know, when you mentioned about our agency, we can't just focus on one area. We got to focus on all of our modes and making sure that it's a transportation focus, not just a highway focus or a mode focus on, you know, like our our turnpike or you know our aviation or rail. So understanding that methodology is what we have to have. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think about the revenue sources, and these are, of course rough, Mr. Secretary, but you get 75% of the total rev from the state of North Carolina, and you get up roughly 25% of that from, from U.S. Uh, federal government. How much have those declined in percentage-wise, and how long do you see it before those get leased back to some normalization? So the federal side has not declined. We're, we're just seeing with possibility of decline based on the, you know, the federal piece of our, of our gas tax, which, you know, as you mentioned, that 25% goes to our capital funding. Um, so all of our federal side is 100% to our capital funding for new road construction. The 75% that you mentioned from the state funding is where we had the split, and that's where we're seeing the decline. The decline in the uh, motor fuels tax at the pump, 
and we're seeing that decline was heavily in the first probably three to five weeks in March. And you know, we've, we've seen that the traffic, the ADT and the VMT, the vehicles mile travel, is starting to increase again. So we're almost, we were about three to 5% below pre-COVID numbers on our vehicle miles traveled. Um, our ADTs, you know, higher. So we're starting to see that come back. Our motor fuels revenue is, is starting to, you know, and if our motor fuels revenue, it, we see the, the you know, for May, you know, if we see in April, May, and May, we'll see in June. So revenues we collect in May, we'll see in June. So it's a normally a month behind. So it takes us a few months to understand exactly where we are on that curve. But the, the percentages, you know, if you notice, that's something that we really have focused on because of the drop in traffic. That's where we've had to make sure, you know, when we see that, we have to start, you know, we pull our foot off the accelerator to, you know, pull projects back. The things we don't want to do, because that's what, you know, it's what accelerates our economy in North Carolina. So, you know, we, 70% of our, you know, funding go, we put people to work. So that's what, you know, it upsets us when we have to, you know, pull our foot off the accelerator, but we have to be um, responsible and do that at times. Are there a handful or are there some high profile projects that you've had to put on hold because of this? I, you know, I say they're all high profile because I don't want to pick and choose which ones are where. I mean, we, we do a balanced approach. Uh, it's one thing that I really, you know, I worked on when I was here previously is, you know, we changed the way we actually select projects to be selected. So you know, the data behind how we select projects is, is what we use. We don't, it's not a, you know, the way it used to be in the old days where, you know, you have different board members that would pick a project. That's, that's sure. not what we do now. We have data that selects the projects. And so to me, they're all important. They're all high profile because if they weren't, we wouldn't be doing the work. So I want to make sure, you know, that we're balanced and we're making sure that we push the projects forward as fast as we can for North Carolina. But I also want to make sure we get maintenance money to continue to maintain the projects that we are delivering. So the new road construction, we've got to continue to maintain those projects. When we, and this is anecdotal, sir, but when, you, when we look around the state, when we look at driving down the highways, and the highways have always had beautiful landscapes like the wildflowers in North Carolina, South Carolina is a lot the same way, but now when you drive down the road, you see high grass, you see right. more potholes, you see some of those things that look unfinished around projects. How many of those will be on hold? How long do you see that type of the spirit of, of the non-maintenance going on? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was one of the things when you mentioned the grass, we cut back from six cycles to four cycles. So we did that as far as the cost savings. That's something we did. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you notice now we are back. We are, you know, it's, it's part of that cycle that we have come back. So it, it goes back to revenue streams. You know, we are balancing, you know, our budget just like any other agency would. And if that requires us to, you know, stop performing some of our uh, duties, you know, a lot of our programs we love. I mean, there's, you know, there's two programs that to me is the future for transportation where, you know, it's our internship that we have um, and also our HBCUs that we have. So, our, you know, those internships, to me, that's the future of our department. And when we have to cut those programs, you know, not only, you know, no one sees that, that's not a pothole, that's not, you know, seeing the grass grow, you know, that's internally that we've had to cut. There's a lot of those that we've had to do, furloughing our employees, things like that that we've had to do to, you know, maintain our budget. And that's what we'll continue to do. But as we see our revenue streams, you know, increasing, as we see, you know, bond sales, things like that, that we can actually, you know, receive additional revenue. That's when we'll be able to, you know, put more of the projects back on the list. Um, 
and continue to, and we are continuing any safety item, as I mentioned, you know, we're, we're making sure, I know we had some calls around some of the grass that was high at some of the intersections and we made sure that people understand, hey, if you have any sight distance issues, please reach out and make sure we're aware. Because safety is always first. We have to be safe if we don't do anything else for our public. You, you talked about, you mentioned the bonds and the, and the debt in the state is waiting for revenue and Build NC was a big part of reorganizing the, uh, the way the DOT could access those revenue and do it a lot quicker and, and get get the, the, the money to the shovel-ready project, so to speak. Right. Um, is there, how, how, how much, how, I'm not going to ask this right, uh, Mr. Secretary, but how much powder is still left dry in that Build NC initiative and the ability to use that, that program? Oh, it, it's, I mean, we're, we're continuing. We have projects that, you know, we're ready to your point that are so ready that we need to push out. Um, delivering, you know, selling of those bonds are very important for our capital program. Um, that's something that, you know, we're, we're very proud of and we want to make sure we continue um, to push, you know, that those bond sales as quick as we can because that is another revenue stream that we can have come in. Obviously, there's a, you know, we have to repay the bonds, but, you know, we get a good return and we do a great job on those bond sales. Um, here we are approaching our, our stride in the middle of the Carolina summer. That's always been a very exciting time. A lot of travel. This year yeah. it's a little bit different. Um, how, does, how do you look at the travel season? Not just on, on the surface roads, Your Honor, but when you look across the platform of DOT and you see that there's a difference in, in the, the, the rate of implaning going through Charlotte, Douglas, and Raleigh and some of those places, do you see a, a, a dramatic uptick in 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 road travel during tourism or what are your observations? So, I mean, obviously this week will tell us, but I can tell you, uh, I have communication with uh, one of the airlines um, about their ridership is something that we're concerned about, you know, because obviously that's another one of our you know, partners that we work with. Uh, so we talked to you know, that airline about their ridership and what are they seeing? They are seeing an increase in ridership. Um, as everyone else, they're trying to do it safely. Um, they're trying to make sure they, you know, they clean and they have you know, social distancing. And we're doing the same on our routes, you know, with our ferry routes and our transit routes on our trains. So, you know, having to balance that with ridership increasing is, is going to be a challenge. But we are seeing ridership increasing, um, not only you know in cars but also in trains and our ferry system. Um, so in airlines, they're seeing it too. Um, I, I know they're not seeing it as quick as they want it and none of us are but i think the increase is there but it's going to go back to you know the social distancing and making sure that you know our numbers are you know are where they should be and just continuing to fight fight on covid uh, but everybody has to do their part to make that happen so i'm just hoping we do that because you know we don't want to see a downturn again because um, that would be another you know devastation for our agency that you know we just don't want to see uh, one of the divisions, of, as you've mentioned, is the North Carolina port system. Paul Coza has been uh, highly regarded and, and highly uh, uh, lauded for, wouldn't say turning it around, but stabilizing the ports to a point where they've had their best year. Um, as, as he announced his retirement at the end of this year, Mr. Secretary, how do you reflect, and as you took the reins this year, how do you reflect on what the port's should be, and I say that, I'm sorry for this long question, sir, but I, I say that in reference to one of the strongest ports in the country is the South Carolina port. So how, 
How should the North Carolina and the South Carolina and the general Carolina port systems be working together or thinking about each other in a, in a uh, kind of respective way? You know, and I think with all ports in general, I think, you know, and to your point, Paul has done a great job. I'm looking forward to Brian. Brian will, will really do a great job right behind uh, Paul. Looking forward to uh, working with, you know, Brian more. Um, but the ports in general, they do work together. They are independent. You know, they obviously, they're, you know, it's just like a business. They have to make money. Um, so, but I think they share ideas and they look at um, functions that they could work on. But it is, it's like a business. So they really have to be independent. So I don't think there's a way, you know, currently they can share um, any type of ideas or, um, you know, opportunities to work together. There's a lot of, you know, goods that are being moved in and out of our port that we're proud of. And you know, we've just, you know, we've just received one of the largest vessels in our port. That, you know, we had a lot of uh, work done to be able to receive, you know, that large vessel from, you know, overseas. So it's really, that part is exciting to us, you know, to be able to compete with some of the other ports. Um, I think that's really where, you know, bringing those goods in and having that, you know, that traffic moving in and also having those services move very quickly for some of our, our residents and some of our businesses, you know, they rely on that port. Um, but, you know, you bring up a good idea about the sharing between the ports. Um, I just don't know if that'll ever happen because it is, it is a business, you know, it is a business where, you know, they have a revenue, um, they have a profit margin they need to make. Um, and so they're continuing to look at how do we, you know, how do I, you know, bring more business to my port versus any of the other ports, North or South of us. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I would love for it to be some sort of consortium, but I don't know, I don't know that we'll ever see that happen. Um, one of the, as you well know, the single largest uh, funding from the General Assembly in both Carolinas is education. Education sure. and the decision about what a school year looks like is very fungible at this point, and it seems like we'll not have any hard and fast decision from either governor until we get much closer to the start date. How does DOT factor in? How do you think about pivoting and be flexible enough to know that, well, if there are virtual schools, then we're going to have to pull this lever and DOT is going to have to do this, given that a lot of traffic changes when schools go in session or not in this case. Right. Uh, you know, I think we're seeing that today. So we our models that we're looking at for revenue are not predicting any school traffic increase. We're using our models that we're seeing today um, based on, you know, current traffic. Uh, we're looking at trends from the past to see where we are today. And we're almost, we're looking at today's traffic as the new normal. So that's what we're doing in our revenue models and trying to make sure that we're staying consistent. One of the things for us um, as far as relating to schools is would be on the DMV side because we do work with our school bus drivers uh, on, you know, certifications. Um, so that may change. Um, so there's some things there that we would probably have to adjust to be able to help. Uh, it may take some you know, some of the, some of the pressure off of our DMV staff, not having as many school bus drivers to uh, certify, but, you know, there's a lot of things like that, but the travel itself, uh, to your point, the, you know, we'll still see travel, um, but it may not be as heavy for certain areas. Uh, the role of, of secretary of, of an agency is, is not new to you, sir. You were, you had the, the, the similar role at Department of Information Technology for North Carolina, and one of the one of the responsibilities for DIT, as they call it, North Carolina, 
was the idea of broadband access. A lot of talk about broadband access since COVID-19 has dominated because of the great democratization, and I'm not saying that right, but the le leveling of the playing field for folks on right. broadband access. Sure. So you're in a unique way where you've got the hard assets of DOT, but you also understand broadband access. How do you, how does it look, how does it look to you that broadband will manifest itself in North Carolina in a much more progressive way now that we're in this new reality? How does this work? Yeah, and you're mentioning the digital divide. So you've got areas where, you know, we have broadband access and areas we do not, or we don't have, you know, the level of broadband that we should have in certain areas. So, you know, it is one of the things that when I was Secretary of DIT, that, you know, Secretary Trotten and I worked on together was a dig once policy. So it allows the transportation department as we're working on roadways, we have areas that, you know, we have possibilities of adding, you know, some channeling in for, you know, later on, you know, we may have vendors come in and be able to use some of our um, open channels so they can put in fiber or, or you know, whatever type of material comes next. Mm -hmm. But that's something that we want to do, continue to help and support. But broadband in general is something that, you know, it's, it, you're, you're absolutely correct. It, it came to light and it's something that we continue to look for opportunities. Um, we had an infra grant um, around I-95 and US-70 to allow us, you know, this department, transportation department, to install fiber and kind of help prepare and have a backbone for the future. Um, so there's ways like that that we can continue to help. Um, our providers are constantly, you know, we're, we're constantly in contact with them around encroachments, things that we can work on together to help speed that process up. Um, but you know, the future may not be in the ground, the future may be in the air. So how do we look at satellite technologies that can help us? Um, you know, there was a bill passed. Um, to look well, Your Honor, I hate to interrupt you because I know no, you're good. kind of tore off the band-aid of this one, and this is a big one. But thank you for being on our program. Thanks for taking the job. I know a lot of people are rooting for you, and, and best of luck going forward. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. And thank you for watching our program. Uh, until next week, I'm Chris Williams. Stay safe and hope your business is good. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Barings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina and by viewers like you. Thank you.